Well, good to have you here this morning. As you got a text out there, I'll let you know some of the things that were going on. The kids would be in the in the service here today. They were last week, and Alyssa's surgery, we're glad it went so well, and she's healing up. But she wasn't quite ready for that. But here this morning, we're going to take a look at one of my favorite. There's a couple of reasons why we're looking at this one, and I'll tell you a couple now and save one for the end. First off, I thought I could do this in one week. I've always taught this one and I've always stayed with it with one week and I've just been writing down things because we didn't have a service on Wednesday night so I had a little extra time to play with this and I finally gave up this morning and said there's no way I'm going to do I'm going to rush through it and it's just not going to be as good and and uh so we're just we're going to spend our time we're going to get through about half of it and we'll get through the rest of it down the road but what do you do with people that are in your life that just like to bring bad news I mean, some people, they just look forward to bringing bad news. It's like they're happy. They have bad news to bring. Other people, they just love spreading doubt and unbelief. What do you do with people in your life that are spreading doubt and unbelief? They always want to bring bad news. You don't even want to see them anymore. You don't even want to talk to them. How do you deal with that? Now, your flesh will rise up on the inside of you, and you can begin to come up with some ideas of what to do with those people. How many of y'all know that? And we can even say, that's the Spirit of God on the inside of me. Rising up and telling me how I should handle that. But the best thing to do is to look at how the Word of God tells us to handle it and how Jesus did, because Jesus ran into these people. We're also going to take a look at this. Is there a place of doubt and is there a place of belief? Many times we hear people say, well, I'm just in a place of doubt in my life. I'm in a place of, of unbelief in my life. Is there a place like that in the, in the Word of God? Does it, does it tell us that there's a place like that? Are we just in a place where unbelief comes to us easier? Or are we in a place that faith comes to us easier? So we want to take a look at, at some of these things here as we look at this this morning. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, we begin the healing of two different occurrences. That is the woman with the issue of blood and Jairus and his daughter. Let's begin at verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, we've got a couple of things, including one demonstration we're going to do that Chenzo, I know, is going to help me out with. Because it's right up his alley. That's the things that he likes to do. If we were to look over at Luke chapter 8 verse 42, we would find out that this particular girl is 12 years of age. Mark doesn't add this until later on, but Luke adds it in the beginning, that she was about 12 years of age and that she was dying. Well, I want you to see something with this. Jarius, he comes and he brings three things. There are three things that he brings here. I think I, I changed that around a few times and didn't quite get the uh, wording right. But Jarius comes bringing three things when he comes to Jesus. First off, he brings a problem. Brings a problem. One of my favorite guys to quote on this is Charles Barkley. I love Charles Barkley. I loved him as a player. I loved him even more as an announcer. He is phenomenal. Love him. He speaks his mind. He don't care who he offends. And I like that in a person, even if I don't agree with him. I love that he speaks his mind. But he has this phrase that he uses all the time. Any knucklehead can have a problem. 
And just think about that. Any knucklehead can bring a problem to Jesus. They don't, it's not hard to bring a problem to Jesus. Anybody can bring a problem to Jesus. This is what he does. He brings a problem to Jesus. How many of you brought problems to Jesus before? We're not, we don't have a shortage of problems to bring to Jesus. We have lots of problems. And we, so bringing a problem to Jesus, he's got the problem. What's his problem? My daughter's dying. He's desperate. He comes and he begs Jesus. He doesn't know how to get Jesus to come. Jesus comes on faith, not on begging. But he sees the faith in the man. And so he comes because of the faith. But he comes and he begs. Just because you don't get everything right doesn't mean God just turns his nose up on you. He doesn't want you coming begging. But just because you got some of the doctrine right and how you're to approach Jesus doesn't mean he just turns you off. As long as he sees that faith that's in there, he saw faith in Jairus, he says, let's go. Beside that, the father probably told him. So everybody can bring a problem. But here's the second part he comes with. He comes with a plan. See, a lot of people bring problems to Jesus. Very few people bring plans. Now, he brings a plan based on what he has seen Jesus do before. And this is the beauty of this story. The woman does the same thing. She's got a problem. She's got a plan, too. When you come to God, don't expect Him to give you the plan. He does sometimes. There are times He came and He gave the plan. Remember the lame man at the pool of Bethesda? He didn't have a plan. He had a problem. But Jesus supplied him with a plan. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. There's the plan. Well, He did it. He had to obey it. But here we got two people who came up with the plan. They came up with a plan on their own. But they didn't just dream up anything they wanted to. They they came up with a plan based on what they knew Jesus had already done. So they have a problem. They have a plan. That's two things. Here's the third. They have a proclamation. Both of them. They have a proclamation. You'll see in both these stories, they both have the same thing. A problem, a plan, and a proclamation. They have said something. Jarius comes. He says, here's the plan. Come back with me. Lay your hands on her. And she will live. That's a declaration. He has, he has proclaimed what will happen. If you come back and do this, she will live. He believes that. That's why he made the trip. If he didn't believe that, he would have stayed home with his dying daughter and had every bit of moment that he could before she passed on. Now, faith, we, we know, always gets Jesus' attention. So I, I thought about this about Jarius. What is he lacking? He has a problem. He has a plan. And he has a proclamation. How many people can say that you've had a problem, you came up with a plan, and you declared what was going on, but still didn't have your answer? That's where Jarius is. Jarius is in a spot right now where he's got a problem, he has a plan, and he has a proclamation. But he still has no answer. Sometimes people will teach you things and make you think that your proclamation is wrong. That's why you still have the problem. Some people make you think that you haven't proclaimed it in the right way. And that's why you still have your problem. But here we have a man, Jairus, and he's got a plan. He has an acceptable plan to to deal with his problem. And he's made a proclamation. So, does he have hope? 
Yeah, he's got hope that Jesus will come back to him. That's why he came. Does he have faith? Well, you you lay hands on her, she will live. Well, that's faith. He has expectation, doesn't he? He expects something that's going to happen. But he still does not have an answer. So Jesus went with him. He tells us in the Word. Jesus went with him. Jesus is now on the way. Jesus has acknowledged the plan. Seems to be in agreement with the proclamation. And is now on his way back. Do they still have a problem? Isn't it amazing that Jesus has already accepted this? He is on his way back with them and they still have a problem. The existence of your problem does not mean your faith doesn't exist. See, people try and put you under condemnation because if you still have the problem, then you don't have enough faith. Therefore, you need to get better faith. You need to do something better. You need to be a better Christian. You need to be something better. You're obviously not something that you should be. But here, Jairus has everything that he needs to have. And he still has the problem. It's not that he doesn't have enough faith. And it's not that he doesn't know how to get to Jesus. And it's not that he hasn't had access to Jesus. Or that Jesus hasn't answered his request. But he still has a problem. So Jesus goes with him. Still hasn't changed anything. His daughter is still dying. Actually, she may already be dead at this point. So all these things that he's got, nothing has changed. But change is on the way. But nothing has changed yet. See, until that action that is declared is accomplished, no change comes. Jairus had hope, he had faith, and he had expectation. But he still not did not have his miracle. Now I wanted to use an example here if I can use Chenzo. Chenzo, if he can come on up here while he's making his way up. There's a lot of times that we have an expectation of what we are to do. Or what we can do. I have an expectation. Alright, well I know that in faith, if I do these particular things, I'll receive my answer. How many have ever been there? Well, I've heard, heard the word, heard teaching on this, and if I do this, I expect to have an answer at the end of this. This is how most of us come into, uh, I've learned to come in there. Chenzo, I want you to stay right there. Now, here's what I want you to do. You are right now at point A. I want you to come over here to point B. Right now. Come on over. There you go. He made it, right? Point A, problem. Point B, answer. That's how a lot of us like it to be. Now, we're going to have him do this again. We're going to have him start over here at point A. And I want you to get exactly where you were before at point B, except you can't go this way now. What I want you to do is, don't do it yet. I want you to go all the way around. I want you to run. Because you like to run. I want you to run as fast as you can. I want you to go all the way around here. But that's not all. That's We're not stopping right there. I want some of you folks that are out there in the congregation, I want you to be a hindrance. Now, you're bigger than he is. I'm not saying to stop him. I'm saying be a hindrance. And then all the folks that are not hindering him, I want you to watch what happens. All right, are you ready to do this? You're going to have to overcome some things to get over here to this side. You ready to do that? You're an overcomer, right? All right, here we go. Ready? Go. Here he goes. He's making his way around. He's got a one person dodge himself around. Oh, you guys are making it way too easy. 
Way too easy. He needs some, he needs some difficulty there. There we go. We got a little bit more. Okay. There we are. <laughs> there we go. Now I want you to notice something that he did and I knew that he would because of who he is. He started out knowing he was going to have some obstacles. When he was over here coming to here, he didn't think he was going to have any obstacles. When he started over there, he knew ahead of time he's going to have them. So he's ready for them. And every one that popped up, as soon as it popped up, he didn't get discouraged and say, well, forget it. He found a way around it. He didn't know what the obstacles were going to be, nor did he know which way he was going to get around it until he was on it. All right, thanks. I knew you'd do a bang-up job for me. This is where we go along the way, and we see this so beautifully in this story, is that there are obstacles to getting to the end result, but you don't know what all those obstacles are nor do you need to. But just because obstacles came up did not mean that you had the wrong plan or the wrong proclamation or that you did not have enough hope or faith. Because Jairus, you get Jesus' attention by faith. He has demonstrated that to us all through the Gospels. Not by begging. It was the faith that got the attention. Your faith will get the attention. But don't think that just because you have the attention of God, the attention of Jesus, that all obstacles are removed. Know that obstacles are going to come up. But when they come up, it does not mean you're doing a bad job. It just means, all right, here it is. Now, what am I going to do to get around this? How am I going to get myself to go around the obstacle? And you just think of Chenzo and how he he went on around. So we're... We got, we're basically looking at Jairus from point A to point B. This is what he's envisioning right now. No obstacles. But all of a sudden, obstacles came up. All of a sudden, we had some things that, that went on. And that begins over here in verse 25. This woman is going to draw off of Jesus. Off of that anointing that was there. Verse 25. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. I thought about this story. Again, when I was getting ready for this, and he said, you know what? We have Jairus' name. Why don't we have her name? I don't want to keep calling her the woman with the issue of blood that takes up so much time and so much space. I'm over there typing it in for the YouTube thing, and I got her, you know, I had the title for the, but I want to put in there what we're, woman with the issue of blood. It's so long. Jairus, just say Jairus. Everybody knows what we're talking about with Jairus. But no, it has to be the woman with the... You can't say the woman. You got to say the woman with the issue of blood. There's no way to shorten that. So I thought about this and said, if I were to go to heaven and have one of those little powwows and the Lord Jesus himself would tell me, or maybe even, you know, Matthew, maybe Mark, Peter, John, maybe one of them would come and they would sit down and they say, Steve, her name, and whatever her name was, and then I would know her name. I said, oh, that would be so great that I could just call her by name. And I said, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd still call her the woman with the issue of blood. Because if I'm going to call her the name, I have to have Bible verse to support it. I would. I'd. I'm not one of those guys who goes out and, well, I know this, but it's not in the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, I don't know it. 
So I'd still, so it won't do any good. May as well not waste your time. Because <laughs> I'll still have to keep calling her the woman with the issue of blood, even though I might know her name. Be great going up there one time, get a little he- heavenly visit, and get to meet her. She is something. I I have a whole lot of questions I'd like to sit down and talk with her about. Of course, they're only going to benefit you if you can come back and live them out. won't do you any good if you just stay up there in heaven. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. That's a long time. So notice this. How old was the girl? The girl's 12 years old. She's had this issue for 12 years. What happened 12 years ago? The daughter is born in the same year that this woman gets the issue of blood. I'm not trying to tell you they're connected. I'm saying, isn't that interesting that both of these things, we have a 12-year-old situation. The girl's 12 years old and her condition is 12 years old. Well, that's interesting. I'm not sure why, but it is interesting. And suffered and had suffered many things from many physicians. And she spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, what this tells us, he doesn't come right out and tell us this. This woman was not poor. This woman had some money. Because she had many physicians. And the only way you can get a physician to work on you is, show me the money. They want to see the money. I don't have to show you a cure, but you have to show me the money. And that, don't it still work that way? So she's got to show the money and they put her through some things for which she was suffering. We don't know what they were. Not a whole lot of time spent on it. I like it that way. You know, you get in a church and somebody's giving a testimony about what God did and Brother Hagin would say they'd spend 20 minutes talking about what the devil did and two minutes talking about what God did. I said, well, that's perspective right there. <clears throat> so she has been all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She's had the condition for 12 years. It's gotten worse as the time has gone on. And she spent all the money she had. Now, if you spend all the money that you had, that means no matter what physician comes up with a new idea, you don't have any money to hire on. So she is desperate. J. Iris is desperate. She's desperate. I got no other way to go. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus. Aren't they those, some of the most exciting words? When she heard about Jesus. Hmm. She heard something about Jesus. Now, we've looked at some of the things before, spent some time on it. She heard about these, this meeting that had gone on, and people just came and touched his garment and were healed. So she began to think about this. Hmm. If people in a meeting could come up and touch his garment. Now, I can't get there in the meeting, but if I sneak up and touch his garment, I know I'll be healed. I know it. I know I'll be healed. She thought about that story that she heard, because it said when she heard about Jesus, people just had to touch his garment. Because she's unclean by the Hebrew law. So she can't just be in any meeting and go around touching people. I can't touch him. He can't touch me. But I can touch his garment. 
I can just sneak in behind, touch his garment. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. She's trying to sneak up. You come behind somebody, you're trying to sneak up. When you get grandkids, you understand this. They try and sneak up on you. They don't sneak up from the front. They sneak up from behind. And then they go, rah! <laughs> and you better be scared. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Does she have hope? Does she have expectation? Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. She even felt in her body. She had this thing on her and it was a drain. Somehow, this she felt it sapping her body of its strength. And when this happened, she felt that was no longer going on. Luke adds this. He's the physician. Now, a woman... Uh, verse 43, having a flow of blood for 12 years who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood stopped. Hmm. All these things she had gone through and now it was done. So this woman came based on what she heard. That's the first thing. Based on what she heard. Secondly, based on what she believed, doesn't do any good just to hear it if you don't believe any of it. You gotta believe what you heard. And then she made a proclamation. What she was gonna do. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be made whole. Brother Hagin loves teaching on this, this story. And Brother David Ingalls worked it right into a song. That was a good song too. Now, many come to Jesus with a problem. You see, we, we are, we've been taught at times to think, well, I'm just in a place of doubt, which would mean that anytime I want to go out and do something, I'm going to be a doubter. I'm in a place of faith right now, so I'm ready to believe. But that's not exactly the case. You see, what happens is, it's not that you are in a place of doubt. It's not that you are in a place of belief. What happens is, you are in a place. You are in a situation. And when that surprise comes up on you, it exposes whether you are in doubt or faith. That's all it did. It just exposed it. You were already there. That was already in you. It was already in you to either believe and have faith for a thing or to doubt and fall in unbelief. And when that surprise comes up, which way are you going to go? Which direction are you going to allow yourself to be swayed? You can't eliminate the surprises. You can change how you respond to them. Now sometimes, people come with a plan, but it has no foundation in the Word of God. No foundation in faith. They just came up with it on their own. Well, I just believe that if I go and do this, that this will happen. What are you basing that on? Because it's what I want. Because it's what I need. Because that's what I think God should do. I don't care what you think He should do. What did He say He would do? Well, I don't know the Word of God well enough for that, so He's just going to have to take what... No, He don't. <laughs> okay. He don't got to take nothing. 
I got to put myself in a place to receive. That's what I have to do. That's up to me. J. Iris did it. And the woman did it. Now when it said there in verse 28, for she said, in the Greek, it means she kept saying. Williams brings this right out in his translation. For she kept saying, if I can only touch his clothes, I will, I, I shall get well. She kept saying, if I can only touch his clothes, I shall get well. Now, there are a number of things that we keep doing in our life. How many of y'all know that there are a number of things that you do on a repetitive basis? I wrote down three things. My consistent actions are born of first off habit. I always do it. Always do it. How many of you have breakfast in the morning? Why? Because I always do it. How many of you eat lunch around noon? Why? Because I always do it. I have it. A lot of times we do these things and have it. I heard a, heard a, heard a thing about us skinny people. Skinny people, you know when we eat? When you're hungry. If that happens to be noon, fine. If it's not, we don't care. Oh, good. I don't have to waste time eating right now. I can go off and do something else. I like to, some comedian put it together. He said, you know, skinny people and overweight people, difference between them. When a skinny person gets a pizza craving, you know what they do? They eat pizza. They go out, get a pizza, and they eat it. Overweight people trying to lose weight, you know what they do? They eat carrots. They go out and eat carrots. You know how many carrots it takes to calm a pizza craving? And then after they eat all the carrots, they go out and have the pizza anyway. But have it. I always do it. Why do you do that? I don't know. I just always do. Just always do it. It's a habit. There's no faith in that. It's just what I always do. Second one is duty. I have to do it. I don't want to. But I have to. Maybe you get a shower in the morning. Why? Well, I have to. Duty. Why Why do you wash the dishes? Because I have to. Don't want to, but I have to. Here's the third one, faith. You desire to do it. You can have consistent actions that are born of faith, but it needs to be something that you desire to do. Because you won't do it, because you always do it. And you won't do it because you have to do it. But you will do it if you desire to do it. There's also actions of experimentation. Maybe if I do this, this will happen. People do that all the time in faith. Well, maybe if I do this, I'll get what I need. Experimentation. Instead of, if I do this, this will happen. This woman was not in experimenting mode. She knew, if I do this, this will happen. Now, not stopping there, she went and she acted on it. She stepped out there and did it. She found her way over to Jesus. And she did it. Now, I put this in your outline for you. I believe I left it there because I want to make sure you got this. 
Confession is not repetitiously repeating what you hope. That's not confession. It is proclaiming what you have come to believe. A lot of times people are not putting the time in to come to believe something first. And then proclaiming it. This woman heard about Jesus. She spent some time learning about what Jesus did. And then she had her proclamation. Well, if other people could touch his clothes and get healed, I can. I can do it. That's a way that I can, I can receive my healing. Now, how many of you all know, oh, no, we always bring this out every time we get to this, it is likely she had a whole lot of people around her advising her. As she spoke her faith out loud. They're advising her. Now, put yourself in the woman's position. You're the woman. You've lost all your money. If you lost all your money, you go out to eat with the girls. Who pays? The other girls. Right? Other girls might get tired of this. I need her to keep some money. I need her to stop spending all this money on these doctors so we can go out and have lunch together. But... She's uh, come up with another doctor. How many of y'all know that somewhere towards the end of these doctors, maybe the first one, they're all excited for her. Maybe even in the second one. Maybe it's even hung out in the third. But by the fourth and the fifth, how many of y'all know the girlfriends are saying, stop it. Quit it. Stop hoping that these, these guys are just hurting you. They're just taking your money and they're hurting you. They're not helping you. And they're trying to counsel her, trying to help her on this thing and don't get your hopes up. Every time you get your hopes up and it doesn't work, we got to pick up the pieces. We're so tired of seeing you all broke up because this didn't work. Just just stop. How many of y'all can, can see that going on in her life? And then she comes out and she heard about Jesus. I heard about this. No, don't tell me you heard about another doctor. Beside that, you don't have any money. Well, this one doesn't cost anybody. This one, he heals people. I heard about Jesus. Oh, will you stop it? Stop getting your hopes up. And people around offered advice. How many have ever been in a place of believing God for something and people around you offered advice? I don't just mean heathens. I mean other Christians coming around, bringing advice. How many saw the cartoon in the bulletin today? Wondering what in the world is that cartoon doing in the bulletin? Simply this, people will come knocking at your door and try and sell you something that is useless. I know most of you haven't heard of Ziggy. He's apparently an old comic and I know that because I'm old. <laughs> but I like Ziggy. Somebody's selling the Wikipedia printed. And if you know anything about Wikipedia, you know why that is useless. But people will come and they will try and sell you their advice. They may not charge money for it, but they're going to come and talk to you about it. Well, I don't think you ought to, I don't think you ought to believe that. I don't think God does that anymore. They're going to give you your advice. Well, when I had that, I love listening to, to Brother Keith. He was talking about a story like that. Yeah, my aunt had that and she died. <laughs> Ah, oh, isn't that wonderful? 
people tried to sell her on the idea that Jesus wasn't going to change her situation. They may have even told her, he's a rabbi. You can't go near him. But somewhere she had to turn off what other people were saying. These people were selling her useless thing. They were advising, more than likely, against faith in Jesus. Now, I didn't put this in your outline because I didn't have room for it. But I would have if I had room. Sometimes, what we say, what we're proclaiming, what we're confessing, can be running from what we fear instead of pursuing what we believe. Did I leave it in there? It's all gone. I wasn't supposed to. (laughs) Sometimes what we say can be running from what we fear instead of pursuing what we believe. You fell and hurt your arm. And you get up and, oh, I've never, never, never done this before. Oh, I don't want it to be broken. And we start to have our confession. Thank you, Jesus, it's not broken. Thank you, Jesus, it's healed. Thank you, Jesus, it's not broken. I don't have faith for this. I'm afraid it is. My confession is built off of fear. It's not built off of faith. I'm running from something. I'm not pursuing anything. This lady was not running from anything. She was pursuing something. Many times we have developed a confession because I fear something. That's not what you need to have. Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. We ought to just come up with a name for her. They came up with Not just a plan, but a plan that Jesus has shown he would work with. I want to read you Weiss translation of this story with the woman. And he went off with him. And there kept on following with him a large crowd. And they kept on pressing upon him almost to the point of suffocation. They're they're real close. They're, They're trying to get close to Jesus. And a woman, having come, who had a flow of blood for 12 years and had endured much suffering under the hands of many doctors and had spent all of the things which she had and was not even one bit improved, but rather grew worse, having heard the things concerning Jesus, having come in the crowd behind, touched his garment. For she kept saying, If I touch even his garments, I will be made whole. I will be made whole. And immediately there was dried up the fountain of her blood and she suddenly came to feel in her body that she had been healed of her plague and was at that moment in a state of health. Let's continue reading here. Verse 30. Back to the New King James. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, I think this is amazing. There are people touching his body. And there are people touching his clothes because there are thronging around him. They are doing both. They are touching his body and they are touching his clothes. But the Gospels are very clear on this. He said, 
who touched my clothes. Can you imagine being so tuned in to the power of God that you can tell where it escaped from? It did not come from his hand. It did not come from his body. It came from his clothes because that's what she touched. And he knew that someone touched his clothes and the healing power in him went out through his clothing. That is something. He didn't say who touched me. He said who touched my clothes. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Now, I don't know if that means that he looked around and came and fastened his eyes on someone. He said, you got something that came from me. You got power. I don't know if he fastened on her or if she just confessed. Luke tells us that I perceive power going out from me. I perceived that there was power that was going out from me. Who touched my clothes? Now, he's not concerned with the touching. He doesn't care about the touching. He cares about the receiving. Somebody received something. So someone touched me with the expectation to receive something and extracted power out of me to produce what was needed. Basically what he's saying. Someone touched me with the expectation to receive something and extracted power out from me to produce what was needed. Huh. Verse 33, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Hmm. She was afraid. She was just in faith, wasn't she? That's how this whole thing happened. Now she's in fear. How is it that a person of faith, great faith, can fall so quickly into fear? That's not my real question. Here's my real question. How did she keep it? How does the woman stay healed when she falls into fear? Isn't fear the opposite of believing? How does she receive this fear and still maintain her faith? How many have ever been taught that if you have fear, faith is gone? Brother Hagin used to always teach it this way. You can have faith in your heart and doubt in your head. Because the Word of God says, believe it in your heart. Don't let the doubt get from your head to your heart. She feared. Probably feared in her head. But in her heart, in her spirit, she believed. And she received it. Don't think for a moment just because all fear is not gone in your life that you cannot receive what you need from God. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, what? That she was healed. Came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. 
Now, this woman's fear is based on a view that a whole lot of Christians have. Perhaps God is not wanting me to have my answer. A whole lot of people that are under that impression. The reason I don't have my answer is because God doesn't want me to have it. And now I done stole a healing and he wants it back. <laughs> a long time in the problem often leads to, to such a conclusion. She is fearful that she received apart from the will of God. Let me tell you something, folks. You will never receive anything apart from the will of God. But you don't know how encompassing the will of God is. Jesus is going to tell her this. He's going to say, your faith has made you whole. What he's basically saying is, your faith manifesting as expectation has made you well. Now look at verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. All right, we're going to go into a little bit of a Greek lesson here. This is a real easy one for you. This is one you already know. How many would like to take a gander at the what that word well is? It is the Greek word sozo, which is salvation. Brother Copeland used to always uh, do it this way. Every time he saw the word sozo, saved, he would always say, saved, healed. In his head, saved, healed. Because it means the same thing. Saved, healed. Jesus says to her, your faith has made you saved. Your faith has made you well. Sozo. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I'm not mad at you. You didn't get something you weren't supposed to get. I want you to be in peace. Go and be healed. Be healed of your affliction. Now just know this. Just because you prayed about a situation does not mean that you're done. Something else you've got to be doing. No, I'm pretty sure I didn't put this one in there. I say pretty sure. Sometimes it seems... We are hoping to accidentally have a miracle that we can say was by our faith. You'll see this. You'll see the evidence for it when we become too timid to make a declaration. She was not timid in her declaration, was she? I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. She was telling us to her friends. Her friends probably telling her no, but she didn't care. I'm going out there. I know it if I do this because she is not timid because she is not looking to have an accidental miracle. I think sometimes people just think, well, if I tell people I'm in faith and then I go to the doctor and the doctor says, oh, you're all healed. I can come on back and say, look at my faith. Look at my faith. But you see, I was never bold enough to make that declaration in front of people. I was never out there to say, I know I shall be now, don't get, don't get the cart before the horse. You can go out there and say, I know it shall be all you want to. But if you have not built that expectation on the inside that you know it shall be, if I say, if I do, it ain't going to do anything for you. She didn't just say it. She knew it. I know if I touch the hem of his garment, not Peter, not John, not Matthew, his garment, 
That means I got a little bit of a fight because there's people around them. I got to get to them. She managed to get her way in there. People are just hoping to have an accidental miracle. They're timid in their declaration. We're concerned about what might not happen. But once it does happen, oh, we become bold. Now we're bold. I knew if I just did this, it would work. She's bold before it happened. That's the kind of convincing that we need to have done. That's why he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Be healed of your affliction. Now, we're not going to be able to get into the second part of this uh, healing story. But I do want you to see what happens here in verse 35. While he was still speaking to the woman, and we all know, you know, the woman told the whole story, so she went all the way back. Well, 12 years ago, I watched those comedians, you know, they get on there and they're talking about, you know, we, men and women, we're all wired differently. And when a woman tells a story, I mean, they go rabbit hole over here, rabbit hole over here, rabbit hole over here. My wife sometimes will tell me a story and I'll just stop and laugh. Oh, you changed the subject. I'm still on the subject she started with. No, we changed that. We did. Okay. I don't get mad at her. Just, oh, wait a minute. We changed the subject. I, I need to change and get on the new subject here right now. When we guys, we tell a story, it's boring. Yeah, I went down to the place and I found it. Right? That, that, that's it. Now, if a woman goes down to the store to find it, well, I was down on the aisle 12. I couldn't find it over there, but I found these really cute little... And then after I put them in the cart, then I went on down over here. I thought, well, maybe it's in aisle 15. So I went on down aisle 15. I was going down aisle 15. I was looking at it. I found these cute little towels. I got these towels. We needed the towels. You know, we were out of the towels. The towels are kind of old. They're kind of ratty. I wanted to get some new towels. There's the new towels. Got the new towels. Put the new towels in the back basket. Went on down the other aisle. I'm still not finding the thing I need. So I asked one of the salespeople. We got in this great conversation. I did not know that someone in our neighborhood was... And you begin to tell that story. And, and when they told me where to go, so I went on down to that one. And on my way over there, I ran into this other person. And they were telling me some stories about, oh, it was so wonderful to hear what had happened. And then I was, I was going over there. Here's this other person. And I just knew they were saved. And we were talking about the things of God for a little while over there. Oh, it was a wonderful conversation. And finally, I found the thing that I wanted. And I was going over to the cart to, to check out. And as I got there, well, it was so long over in this side. I thought, I don't have time for all that. So I went on over to the other side of the store. And over there, there was a short line. Glory to God, he told me to go over to the other side of the store. I go to the other side of the store and I go on through and for a moment there was a problem with my card. I put the card in, it wasn't working. But then I get, the Spirit of God told me what to do. I did that and we got the card to work. And so then I got... <laughs> but that's the way it is, isn't it? That's why when women get together, they have such long conversations and guys to get together and you know we're back in five minutes. No, it's, God just wired us differently because he wants both of those kind of things going on. There's not one that's bad or one that's better. It's not better for us to be brief as we are as guys and it's not better to be as long as the, the woman tells us. It's, it's the way God wired you and the way God made you and it's a beautiful thing. And just enjoy it. Women, don't try and make your, your men like women. 
And men, please don't try and make your women like men. We don't need that. But she told the whole story. How much of that 12 years he got? I don't know. Now, I don't know if Jesus is getting a little tired. Can we get to the point of this? I don't know if Jesus is, but I know one person in the story who is. Jairus. Do we need to go down all the aisles? We've got some place to go. My daughter is dying. And while he's there, while he was still speaking, so she got done her part and he was still speaking. He didn't say much. But while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, when I look at this, I wonder about this. Why was it important for these people to make this trip? Why did they feel like I need to leave the place where the mom is, where the dead daughter is, where all the friends are? Why do I need to leave the place and be of any help that I can be in the place where the dead daughter is to make the trip out over here to Jairus and let him know ahead of time that she's dead. Because there's just some people in life who just love spreading bad news. They can't wait to spread bad news. Did you hear how many people died in that incident? They just love spreading bad news. She... I've told her whole story. And then these guys come up. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? There's a powerful little thing right here. This is how a lot of people look at needing something from God. It's trouble. I'm troubling him. God, if you can just do this one thing for me. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? You just need to let him go. Set him free. He don't need to come back anymore. Bad news. See, see, J. Iris thought he was getting from point A to point B. Up here in the easy spot. Go get Jesus. Bring Jesus back. It's open. He did not realize he was making a bigger loop with some obstacles. And here's, here's one of them. He wasn't expecting somebody to come from the house and deliver bad news. Even if he had faith that Jesus would raise her up from the dead, why would Jesus come back to a to a dead daughter. If I could have gotten Jesus back to the house and then we find out that she's dead, maybe Jesus could have done something for her. But now, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Don't view your request, your need as trouble for God. Remember, people selling useless things. Here's somebody else selling something useless. You see in verse 36, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Luke added it this way, do not be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well. Guess what word is well? Sozo. Do not be afraid, only believe. And she will be made well or saved. We'll have to save the rest for, for another time.
But I put this down here for you. Hope is created by hearing the promises in the Word. That's how you get hope. Not by listening to other people, unless they're talking about the things of the Word. Hope is created by hearing the promises in the Word. Don't be thinking what you want the Word to promise you. What you think the Word should promise you. Go to the Word of God and find out what it promised you. Faith is demonstrated by acting on the truth of those promises you hear. That's how faith is demonstrated. Faith is demonstrated by acting on the truth of those promises that you hear. An expectation is generated by declaring how that promise will come to me. How will that promise come to me? There's a way for it to come. Jairus had his way. The woman had her way. Jesus gave the way to the layman. Other people, he gave a way to it. Sometimes they came up with their own. Brother Hagin used to call it write your own ticket with God. Made a little book out of it. How to write your own ticket with God. Well, there's a lot more to be looked at in there. There's still even more to it with the woman with the issue of blood. We'll have to We'll have to get back on that in a, in a little bit. Would you all stand up with me? You look at your situation and you may have a problem. But find out what God promised you in His Word. Once you find out what He promised you, develop a plan. How will I get what He promised? What is it that I need to do? Don't just sit back there and say, well, I'll just wait and God will deliver it to me. God is not FedEx. There's something we need to do. All these healings, there's always something that somebody needed to do to put themselves in a place to receive it. Even if they didn't come up with the plan, they had to follow the plan. There's something that you need to do. People, they, they're believing. They say they're believing. I'm believing for this, but there's no plan. How are you going to access that? There's no plan. Jesus came and he was the plan. God says, here's, here's what we do. You go, you live a sinless life, have victory over sin, and then you can die on the cross for all the sinners. Pay the price. And you can take the penalty of sickness and disease, and you can take the penalty of sin, condemnation. That was the plan. And they acted it out. Just because they had the plan didn't mean it was going to work until somebody came and did the plan and then Jesus had to be obedient even going to the cross. And he did. There was the plan, but the plan had to be acted out. Many Christians have not followed his suit. They got the answer like Jairus, like the lame man at the pool, like the woman with the issue of blood because they haven't had a plan. Therefore, they haven't followed. So our ushers distribute our communion elements. Be thinking. God had a plan. He had a problem. The problem was sin came into the world. Man needed to be redeemed. So he had a plan. The plan involved the Lamb. Involved Jesus.
He made the proclamation of that plan in the Word of God. How many times were the prophecies made about the coming Messiah and what he would do? And it was never a proclamation that it might happen. No, he will be the salvation of the world. He will be the sacrificial lamb. It was certain. Because God knew his plan was certain. But none of it happened until he carried it out. And then he carried it out. Oh, glory to God. The elements are being distributed. We know that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, before supper, he took the bread. The bread represents his body, his body that is broken for us. That's how he started off the supper. This represents my body, which is broken for you. So often as you do this, do this in remembrance that on his body was put our sickness and our disease. We don't have to bear it anymore. Glory to God. As we eat this together, he told us, remember. He knew we'd have a hard time. Remember what he did for us. Let's eat together. After supper, I often mention there's a whole meal between the two parts because they are two separate functions. After supper, he took the blood. The blood is what is our redemption. The blood is what brought about the forgiveness of sins. Not the body. The body dealt with sickness and disease. The blood deals with the sin problem. Two problems, two solutions, the body and the blood. So he, the Last Supper, he said, this represents my blood, which is poured out for you. To remember the work that he did is for us, an eternal work. We don't have to keep sacrificing and glory to God for that. Let's drink together. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us that we would be free from sin, free from sickness and disease. Give you the glory for it and the praise for it. Oh, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, tomorrow we have the...